My name is Captain Ozzy with Marker 23 God Service, and you're listening to the Eastern Current Saltwater Fishing Podcast. Today I sat down with Captain Ethan Bilderbeck. Ethan and I have been buddies for a while now and got out of the same area. Ethan and I break down our fishery from wintertime to summertime, tailing fish to belly crawlers, and everything in between. I appreciate you guys tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. If you're like us here at Eastern Current, your boat trailer takes a beating. That's why we want to tell you about Coastal Trailer Repair, located here in Wilmington, North Carolina. At Coastal Trailer Repair, they strive to bring quality work at a reasonable price, specializing in trailer hubs, springs, and all things electrical and wiring. If you have an issue with your trailer, look no further than Coastal Trailer Repair to get you back on the road. You can find their information in the podcast show notes. I've teamed up with Florida Fishing Products to outfit my guide service with their spinning reels, braided line, and fluorocarbon leader, and I'm looking forward to giving you some real-world feedback on their gear. I've been enjoying their Osprey CE for all my light tackle, redfish, and speckled trout, and Resolute for my beefier setups for big reds, cobia, tarpon, and jacks. I'm looking forward to helping further their mission to equip anglers to fish better, which couldn't align closer with our values here at Eastern Current. Be sure to check out their website, floridafishingproducts.com, or ask about them at your local tackle shop. Temple Fork Outfitters is the rod of choice for all of us here at Eastern Current. Whether we're fly fishing for shallow water redfish, sight casting to cobia from a tower, or dropping live pinfish to grouper in 100 feet of water, they have the rod for the job. Their customer service is unmatched by any rod company out there, and their rods can take the beating of everyday guide use without any issues. My favorite rod for redfish and speckled trout is their 7-foot medium-light tactical inshore spin rod. Be sure to check out their website, tforods.com. Well, Captain E, I appreciate you carving out some time in your morning. Well, she, I guess it's afternoon now. Uh, that sped by. But uh, I appreciate you carving out some time to sit down with me and chop it up. Uh, how's your winter been so far? It's been pretty good. Um, besides these fronts that we're seeing where it's blowing 50-mile-an-hour winds and 60 degrees outside in December. <laughs> besides that, you know, it's, it's, it's great when it's nice. Yeah. You know, the fishing's good, but it really depends on these fronts. Yeah, absolutely. And and I feel like getting two back-to-back consistent winters here in North Carolina is few and far between. Like, you don't get, in my opinion, you don't get the same winter twice. At least not back-to-back. No, I don't, I don't <laughs> think you do either. Like, last winter, it blew out of the south all winter. And then this year, it's out of the north. Two years ago, or three years ago, it would be, uh, it was all out of the north, too. So, mm-hmm. It's constantly changing, but, you, you know, watching these weather patterns through the winter, year after year, you kind of see, like, wow, there may be some climate effect happening. Mm-hmm. You know, seeing 60-mile-an-hour winds December 17th, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> kind of crazy. The yeah. ocean was up, I think it was, like, 12 to 14 feet at the pier, Everything was flooded out. Like, it's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. You'd expect that coming out of the north, like a big nor'easter coming down. Yeah. Um, and we just talked about that. The direction is what is weird. You it know, is. because where we're positioned on the coast, you know, south winds bring our warm air, north winds, north winds bring our cold air. Pretty, you know, elementary stuff there. But we're seeing, like you said, a lot of south winds. Um, what's your prediction 
as far as like impact to the fishery? Oh, uh, well, like at, over time, over time. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll see more of those Southern fish starting to work North. Mm-hmm. I think, um, Cause there was a yeah. snook caught off the south end well, yeah. like two, three years ago, wasn't it? A yeah. big one, like 30-some-odd inches. Yeah, I think it was like two or three years ago in Wrightsville Beach, they caught a bonefish. Yeah, yep. I've seen that. You know, it's, who knows? I've seen another captain catch a snook and a cast net this year, too, which is kind of crazy to see. Yeah, absolutely um, is. There's a couple southern fish that, uh, that would be sweet if they were more prevalent not that they don't exist but if they were more prevalent but on the flip side of that coin i would be afraid to lose some of our northern fish yeah you know what i mean we have a massive northern migration of speckled trout yeah and you know we have striper we are the in-between state not only do we have those southern fish you know what i mean our, our peers catch a lot of cool fish um our offshore guys catch a lot of cool fish um that make us a southern fishery but then we have tog you know, near shore, and we have striper. Um, So it would be sweet to see some of those southern fish, you know, to be more like South Carolina, Georgia, Florida would be awesome. But I would also be pretty sad. You know, a a portion of my year is is revolved around striper. So, yeah, which is all all predictions. You know, who knows? Next year might be cold. Who knows? (laughs) Really? We might put our long johns on uh, tomorrow morning. That's what I'm saying. We will. We will. (laughs) It's going to be like a low of, you know, like 40 degrees, oh, man. And, you know, it's crazy to see that temperature swing like that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm intolerant yeah. to cold weather. I'm like oh. the worst outdoorsman. <laughs> Bro, I have zero fat on my body. I'm the worst when it comes to cold. Everybody makes fun of me when they get on the boat and they see me all bundled up like the Michelin man, you know. Yeah, I don't have the zero fat excuse by any means, but I'm not to- tolerant. You know what uh, I mean? Like I'm uh, uh. as far as like duck hunting or up and hunting or trout fishing goes, like love to do all those things. I cannot stand to be cold. No. But I've learned, especially in the past four or five years, like you can't put a price tag on good gear. You just can't do it. No. You no. Know? I'll spend the money and I'm I'm a shout out to Helly Hansen and what they do and you know, that gear keeps me warm year-round. Yeah. Uh, uh, from sun, from 100 degrees to cold weather that we see through the winter. Mm-hmm. You know, that stuff is yeah. awesome. So if you haven't checked out Heli Hansen, check out Heli Hansen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but before we get any further, we're about to start unpacking this thing. Yeah. Um, t- tell us a little bit about yourself and your business and um, where you're at from where you started. Um. So I moved, I'm um, Captain Ethan Bilderback out of Topsail Island, North Carolina. I moved here the end of 2012, early 2013, and I moved to Wrightsville Beach, um, lived in Channel Walk, um, and coached baseball when I first got here. So a little background, I'm from Annapolis, Maryland. Went to school in Maine, played baseball up there, came down to North Carolina early 2000, or 2013-ish, and... Uh, Got into fishing in my off time. I always grew up surfing in the water, around the water, but never fished. And when I lived at Channel Walk, I had this kayak, and I would paddle around and catch lizard fish and whatever other, you know, channel fish there were around there. And, you know, I got my eyes on a redfish once, and I was like, wow, that's a big fish. I wonder what's swimming around back here. So I did a bunch of research, and um, my family and I opened a donut shop in Topsail. So 
I moved up that way and I started fishing, bought some gear, had my paddleboard in a kayak and that's how it all began. And I went out, I got on the school of redfish. I was throwing white gulp. That's what all the forms <laughs> said to throw, you know, white gulp on a quarter ounce jig head and you'll catch fish from the tournament guys, YouTube guys, all the articles I read. So I went around and right behind my mom's house, I had found this school and I'd sit in this hole and I'd just catch them and catch them and catch them. And I didn't really understand what was totally happening at that time, but it was a certain tide. These fish were here. I'd go back, you know, two weeks after I caught them, and the tide would be different, and I wouldn't be able to find them. I was like, wow, that's weird. So I'd get on my paddleboard, and, you know, anybody that knows fishing around here, you're going to deal with wind and current. And so you'd be on it, and I'd finally find where they would sit at a high tide, and I'd get to them, but the current would be moving. So I try to put the paddle down. I got my stick in my hand. I'm trying to cast it, and getting all <laughs> wrapped up, it turned into chaos. But that's how it all began. And after that, you know, I started buying a boat, or started. I bought a boat with my tax return, and uh, it was this little John boat, fourteen foot John boat with a fifty horsepower Johnson two stroke on the back of it. That thing would skip going down the waterway. You had to hang on to the rails, you know, just, just to hang on. And uh, flipped four boats and bought my Maverick, and that's, like, really where it took off. Um, and then I started pulling for fish and started sight casting with spin rods, throwing top water, um, and I just got obsessed with redfish. And then uh, I found fly fishing. And once I found fly fishing, that was kind of it. That was, okay, this is the challenge, you know, with an athletic background and being super competitive. My dad's a Olympic trial swimmer, sister's a national champion lacrosse player, brother's a state champion lacrosse player. We just have it in our blood just to push it. And when I found fly fishing, it was one of those things that you had to learn how to load that rod up and shoot your shot and boat presentation and flies and leaders and there was so much that went into it, and I didn't fish until I moved here. So it was all of this knowledge and all of this learning that happened so quickly that I just got totally obsessed, and that was it. Yeah. And I went down that rabbit hole, and, you know, that's the thing about fishing is you fail. You fail, you fail, you fail, you fail, you catch a fish. Woo! You know, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, we did it. And then you go back to failing. It's one of those sports where it's just like, it just the challenge or just being in the in the right spot to take a shot at a fish mm -hmm. is what we all do it for. Mm -hmm. You know, just to see that fish, no matter if you're in the Keys, no matter Bahamas, wherever you are, you know, Carolina coast, wherever, when you have the ability to take that shot at that fish and you have a fly rod, somebody guiding you from the back, and you lay that shot down and trick that fish into eating something that you've tied with your own hands, there's nothing more <laughs> exhilarating than that. No, I mean, that's, absolutely that's agree. where you just, it just eats you up. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where I am, man. That's, that's kind of my, my dig right now. Yeah. Tell yeah. me, tell me about your God service a little bit. You, you're, you're crushing that. Yeah. So I opened my God service in 2018. Um, and, uh, I started with a Maverick, and the guide service, I was just taking anybody those first two years. Anybody that wanted to fish, however you wanted to fish, bait, you know, spin. Wasn't doing too much fly stuff. Yeah, it was in my hand, it was in the boat, but I wasn't uh, 
I wasn't good enough to be like, okay, come on, I'm going to take you fly fishing. I had to learn a whole lot more. But as that grew, you know, got into year three, four, and now we're going to go into year six here coming up. Um, it's turned into fly fishing, you know, a lot of fly fishing, a lot of sight casting. Um, and with the spin rod guys, you know, a lot of bass guys come out that want to pitch, you mm-hmm. know, jerk shads at redfish and do it in the grass, do it in the flats. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I brought on another captain to work for me this year too, Captain Caden, young kid, spent time flies heavily for the last few years, has his own little fly company. Um, he was a great addition. He's a young kid, so he's learning a lot. And, you know, I come from a generational coaches that were a lot tougher. So my way of, you know, doing thing is doing things are, you know, a little bit tougher, but you know, he's a good kid. He could talk, he can, you know, that's, that's the thing when you get around 18 year old kids now, you know, a lot of them are staring at that phone, but he has a presence and he's able to talk to people and engage mm-hmm. and make them feel like a part. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. So that's another thing that's going on with the guide service and we're just doing our thing, man. Yeah, just yeah. bumping and grinding. Just grinding. <laughs> I don't know about bumping and grinding, but we grind. <laughs> man, I'm stoked for Caden. Um, so I actually, prior to guiding through high school and stuff, worked in a tackle shop, uh, Eastern Outfitters. If you've never been, got to go check Eastern Outfitters out. Um, pretty sure I swear I'm at you, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, just yeah. shop talk, you know, trying to soak it up in there. But nonetheless, Caden worked there. We overlapped. As I was leaving, he was coming on. And that Caden that I remember, you know, well, he's 15, 16. Yeah. And the Caden that I have had encounters on the water with, it's like, who, you're an adult now? Mm-hmm. Like, he is a phenomenal captain. He's cordial. He's professional. He is just incredible to see him on the water mm-hmm. and to what he's become. I'm like, man, yeah. I couldn't be more stoked for him. Yeah. He's crushing it. Yeah. He's doing great. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty cool, man. Uh, tell, me, tell me a little bit about what it's like to come into a fishery. And I mean, in relatively a short amount of time to have it, to have it dissected, you know what I mean? From, you said you started fishing pretty hard in what year, 2015, 2014? Yeah, 2014, I'd say. To now. got started, yeah. Well, I mean, that's a lot of information to, to go out there and tackle. Tell me a little bit about your approach and, and, and what you did to create success in a fishery like ours. It's, it's you know, on one end, it's super tidal. On the other end, it's primarily wind-driven. And what is it like to go and dissect and, and tackle a fishery in such a short amount of time? It's not something that you can learn just right away. You know, I really started to feel like I understood the fishery well when I put year after year after year together. And then I could see, okay, this was happening at this time in here and this was the condition that it was happening in. So it kind of it kind of all fell into place when I could stack years on top of each other. Yeah. And it was it was a grind. You know, I I lived on the island on Topsail Island for I don't know, like 5 years. Mm-hmm. So you know, every day after work I'd drop the boat if there wasn't waves. And I'd go fish and I'd go pick out a part of the marsh and I would dissect it at a low tide. And then, you know, two weeks later, I'd go back to the same area at a high tide and I'd dissect it. Mm -hmm. Oh, this, I know this is under here. This, there's an oyster bed. Mm -hmm. There's the channel 
So if anything was going to rise up, they were going to be here. You know, I just started mapping everything in my head. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on the Maverick, I don't really run a GPS on there. The GPS doesn't even really work. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's all in my head and it's all, you know, I took so much time to run around that island and really understand what was where. Mm-hmm. And I'm still learning now. And, you know, that's the coolest thing about fishing is, you know, it's forever changing, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, some areas are going to be the same year after year, but there's new areas that are going to form that's going to hold fish there for some reason. And you got to kind of figure out what it is that's holding them there. Mm -hmm. Um, So to go through the whole fishery, it was just learning the tides and taking the time to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to get good at anything overnight. and You're not going to get good at, staring at people's photos on Instagram right. and, and saying, oh, I know where he is. You know, there, I, I, we know that we guy. We all know that guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's the thing is just go out there and learn. The, the best part about fishing is what you put into it is what you get out of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So mm-hmm. take the time and go learn. That's the coolest part about it. I mean, yeah. No, you I go agree. find a school of redfish that's 200 deep. You know what I mean? Yep. Out of nowhere, and you're just, you know, working these flats looking for them. Boom, mm-hmm. there they are. Tell me your heart doesn't beat out of your was, chest. You, Tell me it just doesn't come out of your shirt. <laughs> to try to describe the feeling using words. You know, I think that's why photography is so prevalent in the outdoor community, because yeah. we can't. I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter how you can put a sentence together and how eloquent you can describe your day fishing. I mean, you, you, you got to stand on the bow, you know. And even more so, something you pointed to was you got to fail the 100 other times otherwise like if you were just there on the good day you're like yeah that was cool i really enjoyed that but if you were there for like if you were present for the failing it's like holy cow it would meant so much more yeah just recently i was on the bow and just getting my butt kicked uh we were were fun fishing downtown and um dude we were in we were in an area where there's a lot of big fish and they just wouldn't eat well finally it's like five hours into the day Someone sticks a slot fish, and this is in Louisiana, and then you shouldn't be super stoked about a little slot fish there. But after getting your butt kicked all day, the hype on the boat, you'd have thought it was a 50-inch redfish. Yeah. And I guess what I'm trying to describe is when you go out and you learn it yourself, and you have failed for X number of days, and it finally comes together, and you, you you put the puzzle together, it's tough to, I can't put it in words. I'm not eloquent enough to put it in words, but there's something to it. And it feels better than uh, being an Instagram scout, you know? Like, yeah. yeah, that was cool, but do it, do it yourself one time, and it's way, way funner. That reward is, yeah. you know, that's that's what we do it. That's why yeah. we do it, Yeah, is I, that right there. And I would argue that every God has something, has experienced that or has that in them, you know, that exploration, that puzzle, putting the puzzle together. Yeah. Another thing I think is funny is everybody's puzzle looks different, right? Your brain works different than mine, so, like, mm-hmm. I call them fish theories. I'm full of fish theories. That's one thing I enjoy about the podcast. It's like, man, people want to hear me talk about this. And my wife was tired of my fish theories oh, yeah. three years ago, long, you know? Long, long time ago. <laughs> so I, I, I love to hear other people's fish theories and how. So the, what I'm getting at is I break it down three miles at a time. So like high, low, incoming, falling, three miles at a time. That's, that's the way I like to break it down. And it's funny because you have these lines in our fishery, you know, in my head, I have lines. I'm like, okay, from here up, fish is different. And then from here down, whatever. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, 
we don't have a lot of water. We know this. You know, we're not the Pamlico. We're not the Charleston Flats. Um, but we have such a unique fishery because it changes every 10 miles, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, even though it's not a lot of water, it's not an easy body of water to figure out, I don't think. The guy that taught my captain's course, he's like, look, dude, if you ain't, a, if you ain't on a sandbar every once in a while, you're you're not boating in North Carolina. Like yeah. it's not an easy place to figure out. It's forever changing again. It is. You know? Back to that. It's you're exactly changing. right. Yep. But no, it, overall though, it, it time on the water. I mean, to beat a dead horse, every podcast you've ever heard, it's yeah. Time on the water. It's like anything, man. Any professional athlete you ever watch, they spent countless hours learning and learning and learning and failing and learning. Yeah. You know, whatever, businessmen, I mean, mm-hmm. whatever it is that you're into, you and I were sitting at this table and we both enjoy fishing. Mm-hmm. That's our passion. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about failing and fishing, but the rest of the world, it's, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. You want to be great at something or you want to have something dialed in, go spend the time and do it. Yeah. Don't fail once and be like, okay, that's it. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done with it. I'm selling my boat. I'm selling my fishing gear. I know we've all said it before on tougher <laughs> days, but you know what I mean? Stick with it. Yeah. You know, go clean your stuff off and, you know, drop the boat another day and go do it. Yeah. Being on the water day in and day out throughout the season, our boats take a beating. Whether we need fiberglass work, new non-skid, hole painting, rigging, and electrical, or full-blown custom restoration, Brock Boatworks has you covered. Specializing in high-end skiffs, bay boats, and center consoles, their attention to detail and customer service ensures that you have the work done right the first time so you don't have to get it done again. You can find their information in the podcast show notes. If I'm fishing a jig, you can bet it's going to be an iStrike Texas Eye. Dave and Ralph at iStrike have built the most versatile and durable lineup of jigs in the saltwater industry. Whether you need a finesse presentation on spooky wintertime redfish or you need to hop a big swim bait on deep water structure for cobia and bull redfish, iStrike has the jig for you. Be sure to check out their website and use code EC10 for up to 40% off all iStrike products and 10% off all Z-Man products. The code can only be used at iStrikeFishing.com and you can find the code and the link to their website in the podcast show notes. There is no stealthier platform to fish the shallow water flats, creeks, and marshes than a pedal drive kayak. The P127 from Bonafide is my choice when I want to get out on a solo trip and access the areas that I can't get to on a flat skiff or a bay boat. It happens far too often in a boat where I have redfish and plenty of water in the back of a creek or bay, but there's a sandbar or series of sandbars between me and the fish and I just can't quite make it to casting distance. But with a kayak, I can drag across the sandbar right to them. Be sure to check out the full lineup of Bonafide kayaks on the website or at Hook, Line, and Paddle here in Wilmington. I will have a link to the Bonafide website in the show notes as well. Yeah, I w- and, then, and two, um, I think success, I'm going to mess this saying up, and I don't know whose who's quote it is, but I'm definitely going to mess it up. Um, it's like se- success encourages success or something like that. Meaning, once you do something successfully, you're like, I want to do that again. Next thing you know, you're kind of good at it. And then you're going to like it more. You know, you, you like what you're good at, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, just, it's downhill from there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. And then I look back every year from the, last, the time I started fishing. I, like, I didn't know 
anything. I didn't know it. And then looking back now, it's like, oh, my God. I was charging people for that, you know, like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> if I could call my first year clients and yeah, just apologize. Yeah, no. um, That's all about learning though. And you know, those clients that you get that have stuck with you since the beginning, I still have a few of them or quite a, quite a few of them that still stick with me to mm-hmm. that day. And yeah, you know, they go, Ethan, what are we going to do this year? What do you got in your bag this year? Yeah. <laughs> kind of sketchy stuff are you going to get me into you know that sort of thing man. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing about the relationship side about guiding yes yeah. you know those those people that support you and you know understand that you have a true passion for what you do mm-hmm. and they'll go to any length to come and fish with you so that's that's a great side of the whole fishing game that we're into mm-hmm. then that's something that took me by surprise honestly it was it was um I mean, you can talk about it. You know, I may have heard it mentioned before, but I didn't really, like, there's dudes now that are, like, as thick as some of my closest friends. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I just get paid to fish with them. It's yeah. a beautiful thing. I know. Um, and then you go golfing with them. That's right. to dinner with them. Mm-hmm. Meet their families. It's, yeah. That's the, I mean, that makes it. Yeah, I That agree. makes the job. How, how's Rebecca doing? You know? Yeah. How's she doing? What's going on with her? Like, oh, she started a new job. Oh, you know, that sort of thing, that sort of relationship mm-hmm. makes you feel good. Yeah. You know? oh, yeah. And then that just hypes you up for the day. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, no, we're not going to have a bad day. No. No matter right. what we see, we're going to have a good day. Yeah. Or lack you know? thereof. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to have fun. <laughs> yeah. We're yeah. going to have fun today. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, and I'm, dude, maybe at one point in my career, I'm like, yeah, I just want to go out and have fun. Let's be honest. We all want to catch fish. Yeah. But that definitely helps where when you're just tight, you know, you're just, how whatever frequency you fish with that angler, yeah, it, it you're just looking forward to it. Like heck yeah, I got so and so this week or. But whoever. that's the thing that they get to see is like if they're coming out multiple times and say you don't smack fish, you catch fish, right? And then the next time they come out, they just get on them, mm-hmm. you know, and it's shot after shot, and they're catching fish, and you know that's the thing that you know pick a guide and stay with that guide. And understand what he's doing. That's really good advice. You know, you're not, you can't judge a guide off one day. You, you may show up right after the moon, right? Eight you hours have, ain't enough. And to, you may, you know, have one of those tougher days where those fish are just sitting there. Mm-hmm. And then you show up, you know, at the right time of the month. And, you know, this water's starting to move good. And that moon's getting where it needs to be. And, oh, it's going to be on. Mm-hmm. And then you have a day that's just on. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to go through those Ups and downs yeah. with whoever you choose to fish with because, you know, if they're showing that, you know, they're staying on fish and they're doing their thing, then, you know, just trust that it was a tougher day and, yeah. you know, better days are to come. Yeah. yeah. You know, you can't. Eight hours is tough time to to make a judgment call on a guide. Yeah. I mean, you, you almost can't. No. I Even mean, if, it, I mean, if you got lucky and smacked them, you know, your first trip with somebody, great. Yeah. Way to go. You know, you, you timed it up great. Some people are just like that. Yeah. Um, I got some guys that I mean, we just never had a bad day with. Yeah. I'm like, I, I don't know. know. Today kind of seems yeah, sketchy. But they bring that horseshoe with that them. That golden horseshoe, man. <laughs> you know? Um, then, and then, like you said, there's other people. I'm like, dude, I don't know what happened overnight. Yeah. You know? Again, fish theory. It, it bright moon last night. Yeah. Or this happened or that happened or everywhere I go is muddy, you yeah. know? Um, and then, but you stick with them, uh, the God's going to grow. 
Oh, yeah. You know, like you said, um, if, if I only knew a quarter of what I know now back then, that had been great. Oh, yeah. But did the, I heard Judd say one time, like, the guy with the most spots wins. Like, how deep is your Rolodex? Yeah. And it only grows. Yeah. Yeah. You you got you can't just go out there and say, hey, I got three spots. We're going to go do this. Mm-mm. You got to have it all dialed. Yeah. But, I mean, that that also plays into the part where you are and in, in your guiding. And, you know, if you're just starting, you're just trying to figure it out, like, it's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Right? And then you, as you grow as a guide, you're like, oh, well, I've caught fish in here. I haven't checked this in a while. I'm going to yeah. slide in. Oh, there they are. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's keep on keeping on. We'll just follow this tide, mm-hmm. you know, and boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Here's all happening, you know. I think there's a lot that goes into that. Yeah. So you, you really got to put your time in. And, you know, that's like the 10th time we've mentioned that on this podcast. We really have. Yeah. It's time. It, it, and I've said it a thousand times on here. Like, yeah. I can't beat that horse enough, you know, that dead horse enough. Yeah. It's, it, that is, the, the even if you're not the most observant, you know what I mean? I don't know what the tide was there or whatever. Yeah. You're, you're going to pick up on something. Yeah. Um, that's my, my tournament partner, Noah Harrison. Had him on here before. He wasn't the most nitty-gritty. Like, I'm analytical. I'm, I'm numbers. I'm factors. You know what I mean? And he's not. But he had the time. And even not paying attention to the things that I held in high regards, he was fishy. You yeah. know, you learn how to be fishy. I am uh, not a very instinctual fish, fisherman, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I wouldn't qualify myself as fishy. Yeah. I'm just analytical. So, yeah. and he was the other hand. He, But both, the common thing we had was time on the water. And so he had it and couldn't describe it or, or wouldn't have the analytics or the, or the numbers to back it up. But he was fishy. Yeah. I was not fishy. Like, I wouldn't go off of whims just because my intuition said so. Right. I was, you know, numbers. But the the commonality there is time on the water. I mean, just to beat it up one more good time. Yeah, yeah. But, and I would venture to say you weren't a great baseball player in the beginning, you know? <laughs> C- correct me if I'm wrong, but you didn't. You wasn't hitting dingers at, you know, the first. I was first, hitting dingers yeah. since I came out, bro. I was just T-ball. Yeah. <laughs> hitting them off the tee. I hear oh, you. Oh, man. But you got better as you went. Not likewise, man, I wasn't the stud fireman coming out of rookie school in a former life. Like, no. you, you get better as you go. It's all you about master, master your craft. It's all about failing. That's how you learn. Yeah. If you got it right every time, what would you really learn? Oh, I just did it. I don't think we'd do it anymore. No. I don't think it'd be fun. No, I wouldn't. We would have been done with this a long time ago if we if we just got it right the first time. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And then talking about you chasing big trout too, it's just like you're not gonna keep you're not gonna not keep going Mm-mm. after that big, you know, seven, eight pound trout. Mm-mm. Are you? No. Especially this time of year. No. No. Not happening. It's not gonna happen. Mm-mm. Cause you got that bug, man. Yeah, we were just talking about that. And you'll go out there and fail every trip until you find yeah. that big one, right? I that's mean, a, it's really a failure good, until you get that fish. That's a really good example. You know, I'm after, on my days off or my fun fishing days, I'm after one fish. Yeah. You know, like, and I will I fish all you are. fall and winter long. for, and, and that's a lot of days, you know, like to not catch that guy. But it, that's what does it. I don't know. I don't know if I can describe that either. But, man, we used to, we used to, hunt some trout before either of us were gods. Yeah. Um, and so we met in that tackle shop for the viewers. Um, 
in the worst of conditions too. It would yeah. be in like January, middle of a front, blowing thirty. Probably shouldn't have rain. dropped our boats. To be honest with you. not the boats we were in at least. Ozzy was in this John boat that had green carpet <laughs> that went sixty miles an hour, <laughs> and he used to ride at full speed through creeks. I was scared out of my mind mm. about running into the marsh because it just slid. It didn't catch. It, it did just not slid. catch. He's sliding at like 40 miles an hour around turns in a John boat. Hunting that trout. With green carpet. That was disgusting. That was an ugly boat. It caught big fish. It leaked like a son of a gun, too. It did. <laughs> we constantly had to bilge on. Yeah. But let's talk about redfish, man. All right. That's your, that's your bread and butter. That is. That's my, that's my thing. My thing. So out of all the ways to catch them, do you have a favorite? I mean, because that's the cool thing about them. You can go catch them in nine foot of water on a dock, catch them in the grass, catch them on a flat, catch them. Yeah. I mean, like, what is, what fires you up to go do? You got to catch them on gurglers. It doesn't count unless it's on a gurgler. <laughs> that's, that's what we talk about. <laughs> Around Caden and our other buddies, it, it doesn't matter. It do, It's not a caught fish unless it's on a gurgler. <laughs> that's it. Even if you're sight cats enough. Oh, man. Uh, but I love that, throwing pieces of foam at redfish and watching their heads come up, and you can see their heads and their eyeballs out of the water just looking at it, looking at it, and just pop it. I mean, yeah, uh, I love that stuff. And then I love catching them in the grass, too. This year I didn't spend too much time in the grass. I wish I did. We just had other stuff going on, and, you know, I was traveling a little bit, fishing some different areas. So we didn't get to do that as much, but that's also my favorite way to catch them. Yeah. And every flood that would come in for like the last, I don't know, seven years I was there. It didn't matter if it was blowing 20 or, you know, because that's usually what happens. Yeah, what's up with that? I don't know. We got to put that puzzle together. Well, you only get those real morning floods unless something happens and, you know, you get a strong wind from a different direction, pushing water in the inlet in the morning. Mm -hmm. But most of those floods take place at like 6, 7, 8 mm -hmm. o'clock at night. So by then in the summertime, you already know what's happening. We got the ocean breeze and, you know, it's going to be blowing. But, you know, those days where it's slicked out out there, it's... It's on, you know, and I love chasing tailors and just watching their tails wave at you, and they're just digging. Yeah. You know? I agree. And uh, we yep. also did some fishing in South Carolina, and that flood tide fishery down there is pretty good. Yeah. Pretty, pretty good. They got it. Yeah. I mean, but, I've seen ours as that that good, but it's not, it's not consistently that good. Mm-mm. You know, there's most times you can get like eight to ten shots, but you know what I saw in South Carolina, there's tails everywhere. And I've seen that in North Carolina too. I'm not going to say it's not happening here because sure. it does. You just have to have the right day. Um, but that's, I, I love chasing tailors. And then crawlers too. You know, redfish that are in the mud, spring, summer, fall. You know, the change in the tides and watching them get up on the banks, show their backs and their eyes, and you got to throw a gurgler at them. You know what I mean? Like a shrimp coming off the bank. <laughs> watch them blow up. And most of my guests just absolutely love seeing that. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, okay, what are we going to throw? Oh, what's this foam? Oh, that's foam? Okay, throw it in front of that red <laughs> Throw it out there and pop it a couple of times and go boosh. And they're like, oh, this is what a gurgler is. And then they're sold. 
you know, that's that's the coolest thing is is watching or introducing, you know, anglers that haven't, you know, fished redfish on top before. Because mm-hmm. I do that a lot. Uh, a lot of the time I'm throwing gurglers just because I, I love to see what happens. Yeah. You know, and if you don't get them to eat it, they're going to come up and nose it, push it around, you know, play mm-hmm. with it. They spook off, they spook off, they explode on it. Sometimes they'll blow up your leader. You know what I mean? It's that type of fun, you know? Yeah. If you just see the blow up and they just hang on and boom, there goes your leader, you know? So it's, it's fun. That's fun to me. I've said, um, I don't know who asked me, like, if you had one more fly in your box and that's the only fly you get to throw forever, yeah, yeah it'd be a gurgler. No, no questions down. But it is not my most commonly going for. I don't think that's my number one. What am I going to put in your hands first thing that morning? Probably not a gurgler. Yeah. So I admire that because yeah. I'm with you. Like, yeah, I have. With, I'm going to have a pink skitter walk on the spin rod. Yeah. And I'm going to have a tan shrimp gurgler on the fly rod. I totally agree. Yeah. Uh, or a popper. I've been kind of a popper fiend yeah. here lately. Caden started making poppers out of sandals. <laughs> I swear to God, man. He's carving poppers out of sandals and bringing them to the house. Ethan, you got to throw this. And I threw it. And during the summer, they were eating the snot out of that thing. But I, I thought it was the funniest thing. Where's he getting sandals? I was like, where did you get that piece of whatever that is? And he's like, oh, I cut up my mom's sandals. <laughs> <laughs> I was dying. I was like, all right, give me one of those. I'm going to try it. And they caught fish. Had to name the fly after his mom. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> but that's the thing, too, is you got to know what you're fishing or, or the type of client that you're fishing, too. You know, oh, yeah. if it's somebody yeah. that's just learning how to fish in the salt water, yeah, there may be a different approach. But, you know, anybody that can throw a fly rod, well, you know, they're most likely getting a gurgler. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Uh, I, I really enjoy it. And then the cool thing is our fish will eat it year-round. They love it. Love that. I love that we never have to take our top waters, both fly and spin. You want to take them off. It's it's wonderful. But I will sight fish with a gurgler. But do you find yourself sight fishing with top water plugs very often? Because I can't say that it's it's a happenstance. You know what I mean? Like okay, we're throwing top water. Oh crap, we can see them. Yeah. But it's never. Oh, we're gonna go sight fish with our spin gear. You got a spin guy or whatever that wants to sight fish. I'm not going to put a top water in his hands. No, 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 no. So if we're working the flats and we're looking for fish, I'm, I'm, they never have like a top water. Plug. Yeah. But during the summer when we see big schools, yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a little, you know, sign of where they are. Chuck them that way. Rip them as fast as you can. Eat them or trying to eat it. Mm-hmm. Like that's some of the crazy stuff we see during the summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I'm agree. not going to talk about that too much, but... Yeah, it's pretty sick, though. It's sick. Yeah. And I would love to hear how you describe what you're looking at. Because my best way to describe it, if we're talking about the same occurrence, same phenomenon, if you will, you see that trembling water? Yeah, like, what do you mean? How does water tremble? I'm like, it just is trembling. That piece of water looks different than everything else. And the only way I know to, you know, the only way I can effectively communicate that is trembling. Yeah. Then like I'm like, just put it over there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then something's gonna happen. The first time <laughs> I saw what we're talking about, we were running down. We were just running, right? 
and I see a bunch of birds working. And I'm like, no way. <laughs> no way. That's filled in stream magazine stuff. No way. You know, I come, you know, I've done a lot of fishing in Portland, Maine. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to school up there. I got a lot of friends, flats, boats, and talked to a bunch of captains up there. And, you know, I, I've seen blitzing fish up north. And I'm here, and I'm running up the waterway, and I'm looking, and I see these birds. I'm thinking, no way is that happening. And I start easing over, easing over, easing over. And there are redfish just blitzing, <laughs> blitzing. I mean, just a pop, 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 pop. And if you know the sound of a redfish <laughs> popping, there was like 30 of them at once doing it. Pop, 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 pop. And they're just blowing shrimp up down the bank. It was the coolest thing I'd ever seen a redfish do. You mm-hmm. know, I come from, oh, yeah, we're working the flats. It's nice and calm. Oh, there's a fish. There's a fish. I've never seen the chaos of blitzing redfish. Mm-hmm. They I look like shallow water albacore. If you've ever albacore fished, you yeah. know what that looks like? Well, I compare it just to striper. You know, striper. If you've ever That's seen a really striper good go on a blitz, it's mm-hmm. exactly what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty sick. But it's in a foot and two feet of water. Yeah. It doesn't make... They know what helped me develop a fishery was, was that. Yeah. I didn't know what had happened. That, and what I'm, I guess, without divulging any black magic, is it probably wasn't a coincidence. You know what I mean? I found something by accident. You know, I'm similar to what you're describing. I'm like, holy crap. Yeah. Throw in there, have a blast, have a good day. Come back to the house and figure it out, though. Like, very rarely is it a coincidence. Sure, there's a lot of chance in fishing. Yeah. That do you, my father-in-law will be the first to tell you, don't underestimate the power of chance. Yeah. And he would go into, you know, what that means and everything. But, sure, that happens. Coincidences do happen. But it's not often. I think if you can, again, i am said this before, like, keep a fishing log. I keep a, definitely a looser one now. But, like, in, in the stages of unpacking this fishery and other fisheries it was it was fishing log fishing log fishing log next thing you know there's a trend you know what i mean what when i stumbled on something it i just didn't ever treat it like a coincidence and it was you know it, it behooved me later on yeah and it sounds like similar to what you're describing is yeah okay that was something yeah now let's go recreate that yeah you know Do even again, if it's 20 again. miles away you know you can again. recreate it yeah. um that's a cool thing, again, since we're on the topic of redfish, is they're, they're, they're redfish. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, the ones that swim in our waters, because we are home of breeding grounds here in North Carolina, they're the same redfish that swim Charleston. Maybe not the exact fish, but they're still the same species. You know, they, yeah, marsh they, fish, yeah. Bet they still eat a shrimp. Yeah. Bet they still want it, you know, two foot in front and one foot past, drugged to their face. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what's cool. I like being able to translate that down the coast and into the Gulf Coast and be like, yeah, I'm still targeting redfish. Yeah. I'm not home, yeah. but I am at home with this fish, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Um, that's that's a lot of fun, too. Mm-hmm. But so in the grass, throwing a gurgler. Yeah. That would be your, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Oof, I don't know about the grass. That's it. The grass is like. The, the one thing I hate the most that I love the most. How do you hate it? I just oh You can God. get literally on top of that fish. They are so forgiving. your fly yeah. over them, you know? Yeah. When I started fishing floods, I always thought, mm, I got to be still like 40 feet back. 
50 feet to make that shot. Yeah, I don't still taking 60-foot shots in the grass. And then the more and more I did it, I was like, <laughs> I can put you on top of that fish. You want Just dangle your, your fly over there. Just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's really it's the easiest way to catch them if you know where they are and you know mm-hmm. how to present the fly. I mean, any, it does take accuracy. Don't get sure. me wrong. You know, you can't throw it a million times and keep bumping Spartina grass near that fish. Because they'll feel it. Yeah. And that's just what it is. So, I mean, for me personally, that's the way I like to catch them. Yeah. It is that way. Um, anybody that fly fishes for reds got to appreciate the flood. Got yeah, to. You have to. But the, f- the flood can be so frustrating. Oh, it can. Because it, 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 I guess because the reason I say that is everything like about a normal trip just got consolidated to two, three hours. Oh, yeah. It's not going to flood long. No. So you're like you're not rushy, but like to be able to slow down in a flood takes a lot of time because it, it you, well you're, that's you're trying to be quick. You're trying to like the pressure's up, the wind's blowing. Yeah. Oh crap! The water didn't make it to this one. Let's you know, let's that's kill two and a half. Uh, we are of our two and a half hour window. We're about to kill twenty of it to go to a different flat or whatever. You know what I mean? That's where the knowledge comes in. Absolutely. That's where the time on the water comes it in. It does. Is that situation right there? If you get on a flat and you say, okay, this is where this water is coming from. This is going to be the first spot that floods. Mm-hmm. And then you're watching your watch. Okay, we're you know an hour and a half away from this flood. I see some coming up in there. Well, I'm going to wait 15 minutes. Oh, it's not fully coming up. It's time to go. Mm-hmm. This should be you know well flooded. When that water comes in during a flood, it comes in quick it and does. leaves quick. Mm-hmm. So if you're watching that flat and you're starting to see, oh, I'm not seeing that much water, then go check your lower flats. Mm-hmm. And then that's where you, you got to start, you know, putting that time in and say, oh, this is a low-lying flat that I know is going to have enough water on it. Mm-hmm. You know, this other one requires more water. Mm-hmm. You know, this is where I'm fishing maybe the second day of the flood, mm-hmm. you know, is in this flat. You know, that that's comes that's the part that you got to figure out and you got to – put your time in yeah. to understand this is where that water's coming up first. And I'm going to watch that. And I know from, you know, trips past, I've seen right more water than that at this predicted tide. Yeah. And before you know it, you're making that decision without a lot of cognitive thought. Yeah. Would you agree? Like yeah. eventually you're like looking at oyster bar like, Oh, I'm going to go over here now. Yeah. And you're not even verbalizing that. You're just pop, 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 yeah. pop. I've said before, like, again, <laughs> If I could go back and apologize to a handful of new clients, you know, year one, I would because I was spot fishing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I didn't have it dialed. I didn't have, I'm going to do one, two, and three in maybe four and five. Yeah. And, and now it's more, a lot more intuitive if you can get to that point where it's just a reaction. Pull in, not, nah, let's roll. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, or you, you pull it, this is right. You know, and then, and again, that's just being fishy. I think anybody can learn to be fishy. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, but all it is is reps. It is. What's that it's saying about being a professional? Um, you do it until you can't get it wrong. You don't do yeah. it till you get it right. You do it till you can't do it. And that's, God, we're still going to get it wrong because we're oh, talking yeah. about a very unique sport in which you get it wrong a lot. And we're chasing wild animals too. And, exactly. You know. But that reaction, it just becomes a thing. But it's still the flood is just like it's. it's I don't like. I just. I don't like the consolidation. Yeah. I don't like the window. I'm a pretty. You're a time guy. What is 
a nice way to say lazy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to mosey, dude. I don't want to be under under a time constraint. Like You want a five-mile-long <laughs> flat, and you just want to pull it. That's I just want to take her easy, it. pal. Yeah. Um, just cruising. <laughs> um, I don't... I, I like the time clock thing. Do you? I've always, yeah, and I always use that into my guiding too. Is like when it comes time to get after it. Like I'm trying to make the first things happen right away, and if they don't happen, I feel like my window's shorter. And then I'm going, oh, I need to go to my safety spot. I need to go to this spot. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's like that time crunch where everything starts to work. Yeah, I think that's just used to, you know my background that I came from is, you know, you, you have this amount of time to produce. You don't produce, it's over, game over, go home, wait till the next one. Yeah. You know, so in my head, it's, that's the Just stuff I wired love. wired that yeah. way. Yeah. It's like, okay, step on the boat. I got this, this, this. Mm-hmm. If none of those hit, then shoot. Safety time. Safety time. Safety time. Oh, safety. I yeah. love that hole, you know. Oh, you <laughs> I, love, I love, feel so comfortable in there. You gotta have the safety. <laughs> I hate having to go there, you know, because yeah. means the first part of the day sucked. Yeah, but uh, no, I agree. But I, man, but I really think the fishing has been great. You know, I yeah, I think you know this year has been pretty good. It has. I think early summer it was a little bit tougher, and then as we got to midsummer, on through the winter, it started to get really good again. But there was a little window this spring that was a little tough for me. And I think it was the mixture of fronts that we were seeing. And, you know, those fish were just breaking out of their schools. Everything was transitioning, that sort of thing. Yeah. But we see that every year. Spring? And every year I'm always, like, scratching my head, like, oh, this is so weird. But yeah. it happens every year. I've, I feel like more than once I've sat at the boat ramp and been, like, talk to you about how this one is just unlike on any other. Like, the tide isn't what it's supposed to be. And, like, we're – Scratching each other's heads and yeah. and then running our trips, but yeah. in my opinion, and maybe I'm, you know, showing some of my falls here, but spring is the most humbling time of year for me. Yeah. For this, me personally, could be a lack of whatever you want to call it. But it's just so much movement, yeah, so much unpredictability. I mean, you have your safe bets, of course. I'm not saying we don't catch fish in the spring because we do. Yeah, no, I no, just no. call it that hero or zero time of year. Um, we can break records or we can just struggle our tails off. You know what I mean? I think out of any time of the year, and it's short-lived for me because I go do the striper thing for the the remainder of the spring, and that's the opposite of unpredictable and pretty pretty straightforward up there. But um, while I'm here for the spring fishing in in around topsail for redfish and trout, it's like – I might do really, really good today. Or, <laughs> yeah, you know, th- yeah. that group of fish and that group of fish have just unasked the area. Yeah. You know? They're moving. They're just. They're out. They're more mobile then than I think even more so in fall, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. At least they're hungrier in fall. Yeah. But those fish could be the same school that schooled up in December, and they are just pissed at the world, you know? They'll- well, that's the thing. I think those fish go go through it the most in the spring mm-hmm. you know right now it's still like yeah it gets cold for a few days and it gets warm but it's still like it's still decent outside agreed you know mm-hmm. but then once you get to like february march that weather can get nasty mm-hmm. and just front after front mm-hmm. water's cold by that all that stuff's growing on the bottom mm-hmm. you know everything's a little gnarly out there yeah 
water's still clean, mm-hmm. but you know, you got that snot grass growing everywhere at that point, which makes fishing can be a little bit tougher. Yeah. Do you have a favorite time of year to target them? I mean, clean water schools and man, I love from like May until February. <laughs> I just counted up in my head. <laughs> I love I everything know, but April. I love it. Yeah, yeah. April. I don't love April. <laughs> February can be tough, but the rest of the time, I mean, it's like we're either fishing big schools of fish, mm-hmm. or we're in that summertime hunt where we're seeing them crawling, working flats. Water's a little bit dirtier, but you're still getting your shots. They're easier to catch at that point because it's exactly a little bit dirtier, right. you know. They're just happier fish. Yeah. But I love, like, fall fishing. This summer and the stuff I was doing this summer was just silly. Yeah. Like, I can't wait to go back. (laughs) I'm like, let me push the fast-forward button. Let me hit April again. Put all my hoodies back in the closet. Yes. And I'm ready to go again, you know? Yeah. That's the beautiful thing about North Carolina. There's so much to explore. And this fishery has everything. If you go out there and you learn it, it has everything that you want. Mm-hmm. I mean, take the time. I mean, your local fishery, if you're struggling, your local fishery, like, go explore. Yeah. Go see what's happening in the springtime. Mm-hmm. Go see what's happening in the fall. Mm-hmm. You know? You have 12 months to do it. There's more than just redfish in the area. Mm-hmm. You know? You have Bonita. You have the Albies. You have, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know, the Spanish bite off the beach. Mm-hmm. Like, go go do something that you're just whacking them. Yeah. There's stuff that happens here year-round for people to get on. Yeah. You know, for the first time in, gosh, I don't know how many years, I got fired up about a flounder Yeah. this year. Yeah. Flying spin. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't During know. If, season? A little before, but yeah. I, I, in season. You're on that flounder bite, dog. The, <laughs> it's so <laughs> unlike me. Like, it, flounder was, for the longest Bottom of my totem pole. Yeah, it was yeah. cool. It was something to catch in between redfish. Yeah. Is how I viewed it. Yeah. And dude, but to your point of the versatility, I had some days off and I was like, I want to catch a flounder. Yeah. I want to catch a big flounder on a clouser. Or I want to catch a big flounder on a white gold. Yeah. Why? I don't you know what I mean? Yeah. But that that's me and my fishing. I obsess. Yeah. And then I move on. Yep. And then I revisit that obsession two years later or whatever. But um yeah, like it, to get bored in this fishery would be pretty tough. It is. If you get bored in this fishery, you probably need to go five miles up the road because it's different, you know, yeah. or five miles down the road because it's different there. Like it's just ever-changing as you travel up and down the coast and, and even in your backyard. Like, yeah, get really good at catching lizard fish. Yeah, right. I dare you, you uh, know. Yeah, that's what everybody says. <laughs> I'll whack them lizard fish. <laughs> I was like, what are you catching down there? Lizard fish. <laughs> Big ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that should be our state fish is a lizard fish. It man. should be, dude. You know what I mean? I'll Everybody catches them. <laughs> you know, there's not a person that hasn't caught a lizard fish that fits fishes out there. The aggressive, little slimy, yeah. biting. The worst is when you're on a good trout bite <sighs> and you get one of those, like, four-pound lizard fish to eat. And you're like, oh, that's the one, boy. <laughs> that's it. And you get it up. It's that big turd-looking fish. Yep. Ugh. You know the state record's only like two and a half pounds? For a lizard fish? Shoot, we broke that multiple times in the last few Who's years. reporting them? Who, who's uh, bringing those to the weigh station? Hey, but man, get your name in the book, though, on it. Yeah. 
IGAF. Yeah, take my four pound leader. <laughs> Here's the title of my boat too. <laughs> um, and you touched on uh, fishing off the beach a little bit. Oh yeah. Uh, a new rig allows you to do that. Tell me about your. Uh, I guess it's not new anymore. Newish. Tell me about your rigs in general. I guess. So I have a Maverick HPX tunnel hull. Um, Maverick stopped making those like 2012, I think 13. Uh, maybe 15, but that, that boat is just a beast. You know, there's nothing that runs shallower than that tunnel hole. It did require me to put a four blade prop on it, a pitch too small. Some RPMs go a little bit higher, but bigger trim tabs. And it just handles so well. If you modified that boat correctly, it is a performance machine. And that boat allows us to, you know, go where most people can't go. And, uh, it's just a small little skiff, 16 foot. Um, and then I have a Hell's Bay Marquesa too, 18 foot. Um, just put a 115 on the back of that, and that's our that's our rocket ship. That thing just goes. Um, What's your top end? About 55. That's quick. Yeah, yeah. Or anything I, with a polling platform on the back of it. Yeah. In that realm of yeah. thing, that's fast. It's fast. It's fast. It kind of depends on the load too. You know, if we're running light. We can get up there, and, you know, that was the main thing is be able to cover water in that boat, and that's what I wanted to get it for. And um, But, yeah, I started taking that off the beach. We've been hitting Albies in Spanish. And one day um, I had my guest, Ernie. He fishes with me a lot, and uh, we were on a bunch of uh, Bonita out there and, and false Albies, and we had that thing out there like nine miles. <laughs> and all these other boats are looking at us out there, but it was one of those days where the ocean was just flat. Mm-hmm. In, in your head, you're just, I got to go. Mm-hmm. And all the way out, we were just hitting fish, hitting fish, hitting fish. Um, but that's a great boat to have. And, you know, I, I did a lot of stuff off the beach this year with that and uh, felt comfortable and then also ran the the rivers with that too. Yeah, that's sick. Um, which you know that that's the goal for that boat. But now I'm like, I want one more boat, and I'll be done. I yeah, tell right. This to my life. <laughs> and like, I need a boat with the tower, you know, a Cobia tower up there, so I can see. And I don't know if I'm gonna get that this year, but that's the goal. Is to get Would it be boat. your last one though? No, no. I'm already Heck looking no. at other skiffs, but I love my tunnel. Like, it's mm-hmm. so hard for me to say, yes, I'm going to let go of that boat because I rebuilt the whole thing, mm-hmm. put a new motor on it. Skiffs got, got their hands on it, you know, did all the non-skid. It looks like a brand-new boat, and it runs like a beast. So yeah. for me to be like, yeah, I'm going to sell my tunnel, be hard. Yeah. Like, I couldn't part with it, I don't think. Yeah. Not now. Not now. Yeah. But, you know, who knows? That was your Weird. first guidance gift, was it not? It was. Yeah. yeah. I've that's, had, that's sentimental almost. It, yeah. And it came from, like, where I got it in Florida, and it was the old beat-up, you know, barely any non-skid on it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, had it all redone, and it did it just how I wanted it, mm-hmm. you know? And that's, she's a beast. Yeah. She's seen a lot of fish. I love, I love the boat conversation in general. You know what? Well, boat you got does a connection with it, right? What? That, what? Like, I'll be the first to admit my boat has flaws, but what it does well, and for what I like to do, yeah, it touches all the bases. Yeah, and like to talk about like the boat conversation among guides and anglers is probably one of my favorite conversations. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, this is a six-inch boat and runs like this, and it does like this on a side wind. But I've also said like, if you want to get a realistic like synopsis of a boat. 
ask nine different owners and take the average. Yeah. Because, I mean, we love our boats. We just talked about how sentimental we can get with them. You know, yeah, you think you have the best. Yeah. That you can do to them. Everybody know. thinks they got the best boat down the waterway, you yeah. know? So, well, it's what, but it's what yours. Works. That's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's what works for you and what you want to do. Right. I'm yeah. not going to compare your what you love to do. To right. What, well, even though we're both running skiffs, you know, it's just it's different. Well, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. That's that's yeah. one of the awesome things about fishing. Yep. We can do it to- totally different ways in the same category, yep. but totally different. And I, yep. I believe, I would argue that we probably do. Yeah. Um, that's, the, that's the thing about guides. They have their own approach and their mm-hmm. own style to fishing. Different atmosphere on the boat, I'm sure. Yep. Different dynamics, different. And I would encourage any listener shopping around for guides is, is shop who you're going to fit with. That'd yeah. be another good yeah. little tip, like to your tip earlier about stick with them, but like, yeah. fit with them. Yeah, you know, like obviously he needs to be fishy. Yeah, that's a given. We're paid to right. go take people to catch fish, but you know, meshing with your guide because man, I'll I'll be the first to say like, there's probably people that you fish with that I wouldn't mesh with, and likewise some of my people. And that's the cool thing about what we're doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Back to the relationship. You know, to kind of full circle that, but. No, as far as boats go, is like the the customization and and what the do, what it does and what it drafts and how it takes this and that blade and this blade and what's your fuel tank. And I just I'd nerd out. Yeah, I didn't yeah. until like probably my first year of guiding, maybe a little before that. I was like, holy cow, this is just as advanced as is fishing. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. you can nerd out on leaders and flies and this and that, or you can go down the boat path. And what does your boat do? How does it? Da, 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 da. It's well, like that's the thing. You nerd out about it all. It can't. You got yeah. a boat. You got leaders. You got fly lines. I would, got into this fly line thing this year and went and tried so many different fly lines because I wasn't happy with what I was using. And I must have used like six or seven, and then I found my perfect fly line. Mm-hmm. And now all the now all the rods had the same fly line on it. Well, what is it? it's the scientific angler the amplified the textured line Mm. i love it yeah i had this one of my guests and i fished him a bunch um he came on and he had this fly line and he had it paired with the g loomis the am squash or the uh what's that rod uh you guys probably know what i'm talking about um but he had it paired with that rod and when he threw it, it was blowing maybe 15, 20 that day. It just sliced through the wind. And you could hear that line just release through the guys. It's dang. And it was just the most beautiful thing that you could hear. You know, it's like if you're a golfer and you hit a flush shot, <laughs> yeah. you know, and you hear that hit, yeah. and you're like, oh, he definitely hit that one good or she hit that one good. It's like one of those things that's just like, Phew. yeah, that was beautiful. I was like, oh, I'm sold. Let me throw that thing a couple of times through it. But the line is actually, it's like front loaded and then it gets thinner in the back. So as yeah. you get into those deeper casts, mm-hmm. you know, it's cutting through that, that wind a whole lot better. Yeah. And you got that front load to mm-hmm. roll out. So I recently switched switched to a scientific angler front loaded line as well. Yeah. Um, mine's outbound short um, because all but four months out of the year, our yeah. shots are close. Oh, it's close. For me. Man. Yeah. Um, so but that, that you, outbound, you know, it's, it's great. It's yeah. great for that. Uh, a lot of times you'll catch me in the summer not running a nine-foot leader because of it, too. 
Well, you don't need it. Because I don't need it. Don't I need would it. rather have a shorter leader that unrolls well and then that outbound short line. And uh, But to your point, I sacrifice when we in the winter or whatever when I am on big flats and I need them. I'm like, all right, man, it's a 50-foot. This is the last chance at them. I sacrifice a little bit on that because it is a thicker line. Yeah. It looks like a pinky coming out the tip. Yeah. I it some guess it loads well. It, it casts well. It is great for that, but I also switch to a winter, winter line. But I never do. I always say, yeah, well, I have Touché. it. And I always say, <laughs> yeah, point. I'm going to change everything over, and then it gets to be like 70 degrees. And then yep. that wintertime line is so sticky yep. that you're like, what am I even doing with this mm-hmm. right now? Yep. You know, if that's you, why I went to that textured. If you look at my pegboard, my winter line's still on yeah. the pegboard, not on my boat. Oh, so no. I'm guilty of that, no. too. I'm guilty of that. I get it. Um, but, you know, the thing about the thicker diameter lines is, you know, I've seen this and had guests bring their, their own rods on and their own fly line, and you watch them sight cast with that thicker diameter, a lot of those fish are feeling that sure. as soon as it hits the water. Mm-hmm. You don't even have a shot. Mm-hmm. Unless you're throwing a 12-foot leader and that, that line's, you know, mm. 12 feet away from that fish, you're yeah. all right. But for the most part, you know, summertime when it's shorter, we're fishing you know, mm-hmm. six-foot leaders or less, you know, it's got to be a light line as it hits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the way that I fish, I fish very shallow. Right. You know, a lot of those fish are, you know, less than a foot or a foot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you you got to be stealthy on the approach. Yeah. Well, it's cause- Same with your boat. Right? Absolutely. You got people that are rocking around or you have a, you know, I'll see some guests that I get them to break the habit is right when I see it. You know, they go to cast and they're leaning to the right, leaning to the left, leaning to the right. <laughs> and they're just going with their cast like that. Mm-hmm. And every time you do that, by the time that fly line lands, that fish has felt you. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, here's, you're going to put your feet right here. I don't want you to move. If you blow shots like this, so be it. Mm-hmm. We're going to dial you here so when you come back or you get this later today, you're going to catch these fish. Yeah. You know? Have them put their feet as close as they can together comfortably. Yeah, so I If have, they take the warrior position, the sumo wrestler feet way out here, but no. the boat's rocking. Yeah. So I have the, the casting platform on the front of the boat. So I have them put their shins um, on the front of that mm-hmm. or on the back of it and their feet under it, and then they strip right in front of them. And I say, this is how you're going to learn. And then once you, you know, get comfortable, you can step back or you can step mm-hmm. up. Whatever you want to do at that point. Right. But we're not going to rock the boat because I'm not going to pull for eight hours straight. <laughs> and every single fish that we see, you're going to spook them by shaking the you boat. you throw a wake at you them. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but that's a part of learning. And that's, you know, people enjoy that. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. I got that. Oh, it's yeah. stealthy. Oh, yeah. It's be stealthy. Yeah. Yeah. And we're only correcting the mistakes we made. A couple oh. hundred fish we blew out, and we're like, oh, oh yeah, can't do that. Yeah, thousands, really. Yeah. I mean, how many – it took me so long to figure out it's not just seeing the fish to catch the fish. It's the whole approach before to catch that fish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't understand that at first. I would just pull right up on them. I'm like, oh, there they are. Cast. Yeah. They're not I, eating. I, I think, felt you t- like yeah. 20, 20 feet ago. The outboard. You know I mean? Yeah. I think you got me one day, actually. Like – could barely make out another skiff across this body of marsh. Mm-hmm. And you call me. Is that you? I'm like, uh, yeah. It's like, turn your freaking outboard off. And I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> it can be like that, man. 
you come in and you drop a rod when it's slicked out calm, shallow water, forget it. Go on to the next spot. Mm-hmm. Come back. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. They need a minute. Everything's on edge. Yeah. And but that's part of it, too. That's the part of the allure. But that's the game that we love to play. It's the hunt. Mm-hmm. We're hunting. We're not fishing. We're Yeah. We're literally spotting that fish, making our shots, and catching that fish. As close as you can get to hunting without killing something in the end. Yeah. Really. I mean, you could kill it if you wanted to. Oh, yeah, to you end. could. Yeah, you, you could. You hook it. Yeah. But it's the same idea. Yeah. You're, you're spot and stalk. Yeah. I got that animal. Yeah. 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 And, in, and there's something, too, like you said, tying your own fly. Like, that started in my... Yeah. In my office or my room, yeah. I, you know, everybody knows the video "Life of the Fly." Oh yeah, you know where he picks feathers oh, yeah. up in the beginning yeah, and the chicken ties coop. Yeah. Yeah, 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 they did a great job yeah. at putting that into a video because yeah. that's what we're experiencing, and that's that's a great depiction of of the game that we love. Yeah, there's a couple of good ones out there, yeah. like the obsession and the game. Like, oh yeah, why is it? I couldn't describe it, but it. They did. They found a way to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was pretty sweet. But man, you got anything else to add or anything else you want to plug? I think I'm I think we're good, man. All what right. do you think? I think we crushed it. I think we yeah. rambled for about an hour. Can't can't ask for much more than that. Been an hour, huh? <laughs> yeah. But uh man, I can't thank you enough for coming out and uh we will see you guys next time. See ya. If you're anything like me, you like a clean boat. That's why I've chosen to partner with Carolina First Mate out of South Carolina. Carolina First Mate is a family-owned business that provides environmentally friendly boat cleaning alternatives. My two favorite products are their hole cleaner that doesn't harm your trailer and their boat wash. Be sure to use code EC15 for 15% off your online purchase. If you're interested in checking out all their products, you can find a link to their website in the podcast show notes.